More than anything, the journal wanted. It wanted more than it could hold, more than words could describe, more than diagrams could illustrate. Longing burst from the pages in every frantic line and every hectic sketch and every dark printed definition. There was something pained and melancholy about it. The Raven Boys, Chapter 8, Page 84. Hi, I'm Shannon. And I'm Navita. And, and we're, we're the, the Raven, Raven Girls. Girls. Welcome to our Raven Cycle Podcast. Where we talk about four dysfunctional teenagers and their complete obliviousness to the health of their dead roommate. This is episode two, and we'll be covering chapters four to eight of The Raven Boys. And we'll be taking a deep dive on Joffrey of Monmouth. Disclaimers! This is an analysis podcast. We'll be discussing the Raven Cycle as a cycle. This means we are spoilerific, so you probably want to have read the books before listening. Absolutely, yes, always. We'll use pronunciations from the audiobooks, and if page numbers are referenced, they'll be referenced from the paperback editions where available. And a disclaimer from me, and you may have heard this before, but this podcast has a teen plus rating. There will be canon levels of adult content, including Ronan swearing, 300 Foxway drinking, Kavinsky lewdness, but hopefully no gray man violence. Okay, let's get into the episode. All right, we are going to start out with some character introductions. We have a few characters that come in on these chapters, which are important in the long run. Of course, all of Well, not all characters are important in the long run, but most characters are important in the long run. The first one we're going to talk about will be Declan. We briefly touched on Declan in the last episode. Declan is Ronan's older brother. He's about 18. He's a senior at Aglenby. He is pretty much everything that Ronan loathes about the world. Is later described as butter smooth, which I Mm -hmm. think is just such a good descriptor. It is. He's also described several times as looking like a banker or a politician. Right. Yeah. Dark hair, of course, looks very... Very, very much like Ronan. It's very obvious that they are brothers when you see them together. I feel like he's more like, I guess, smoother than Ronan. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) He's definitely taken the cultured portion of um, his father. And Mm. Ashley is his girlfriend. We will touch on her as well. She seems to be at this point the girlfriend du jour for Declan. And that's a big point of contention between the brothers. Mm -hmm. She's pretty much just your typical, like, pretty rich girl. Mm -hmm. Very, very stereotypically attractive. and Mm -hmm. And then we have Noah. Noah is the elusive fourth that's been referenced, the fourth of the Raven Boys. And And he is described here as basically smudgy and rumpled. Later, we kind of find out that he's blonde haired, elfin, small eyes, big ears that stick out. And apparently he's not supposed to be cute. So everyone who who does these fan casts with like super attractive boys, (laughs) he's he's actually not supposed to be that cute. But I think he's cute, but not like conventionally attractive. Mm -hmm. And he's always, always described as smudgy. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. Or dirty or in mm -hmm. some way. Or disheveled. Mm -hmm. Just just not. And also like you get a a feeling a lot of the times that he's just not quite fully present mm-hmm. like just not really all the, all the way there distracted which makes right which makes so much sense <laughs> the second time <laughs> yep we will definitely be getting into that later on mm-hmm. then we have welk 
Barrington Welk, who was named after apparently a realtor that Maggie met, and his name was Barrington Welk, and she said that his parents must have hated him. How much more realtory can you get than Barrington, <laughs> Barrington Welk? Welk? He is a young Latin teacher and former student at Aglenby Academy. He was once extremely rich, like many Aglenby boys, and he is now destitute and desperate. And disturbed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, he looks, he still looks very much like an ugly envy mm-hmm. boy, like, mm-hmm. it, because he looks a lot younger than his age. Mm-hmm. And then we also want to just bring Monmouth into this as a character in a way. Of course, we talked about the pig last episode, and I love how Monmouth actually is a character in mm-hmm. the Raven cycle. It's got such atmosphere and such presence, and it has moods just like everyone else else does. Mm. But we'll get into more of the description of Monmouth when we actually are introduced mm. to Monmouth. Yeah, it's it's just like, you know, it's this big huge brick abandoned factory that mm-hmm. feels like it, it has so much personality, but it, it's and just, space. Like, it's just, yeah, yeah, it's just a factory. You wouldn't think that it would have all this personality. Right, right. <laughs> So we'll start with chapter four. It's an Adam POV chapter. It's actually our first of the Adam chapters. Adam meets with Declan and his new girlfriend, Ashley, and shows them into Monmouth Manufacturing, the home of Gansey, Ronan, and Noah. Gansey regales Ashley with tales of Glendower. Despite the promise that Ronan will be gone, the brothers have an altercation. It's established right up front that Adam has known Gansey 18 months, which we learned in the last episode was the time that Gansey has been in Henrietta. Again, I feel like the timeline's wonky. It's it's a little weird. And Adam also has this thought of one of the problematic things about being friends with Gansey is coexisting with Ronan. And I just, uh huh, mm hmm, cough, cough, wink, wink, <laughs> nudge, nudge. And Gansey, <laughs> yeah, uh huh, uh huh. And Gansey was worried that one day someone would fall on Ronan and cut himself. And I think. Someone definitely does in the Dream Thieves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is also where Adam lays out his relationship with Gansey. And two of the important things that he believes about this is that in order to be friends with Gansey, he has to believe in the supernatural. And he has a lot of problems with that. Mm-hmm. We go into detail. Right. We go into detail with later. And that he has to deal with, with Gansey's cluelessness about money, mm-hmm. which is a problem throughout the books. And he has to coexist with Gansey's other friends, which, despite what he says here, doesn't really seem to be a problem. (laughs) No, no, they seem to get along fine. No, they definitely have problems at this Mm. point. But I I really like that we get such an in-depth look at this relationship from Adam's perspective. Mm -hmm. And because we don't really get that kind of a look at any of the other relationships like to this extent not this early not this early yeah definitely it kind of makes me agree that with the gray man later on when he when he kind of like almost breaks fourth wall and it's like Mm -hmm. adam's actually the main character well and (laughs) and i do we will talk about that Uh when that comes up because uh, yes there's a long strong history of adam actually driving the action Mm mm-hmm Next, we have Declan's intro, and we are so not supposed to like Declan here. Everything they say about him is just negative and... Right, which, Mm. yeah, again, if you read through it a second time... 
man, Declan, he hurts my heart. Mm-hmm. Everything in these chapters, I'm like, why are you being such assholes to Declan? Yes. But it's because they don't know. Mm-hmm. And Ashley's description is like every annoying rich girl ever. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I kind of, I really feel sorry for Ashley because like. They treat her horribly. They really do. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. So one thing that kind of struck me about the description of Ashley is that she looks like every single other girlfriend that Declan's ever, ever had. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was also kind of weird because it's basically what Aurora looks like. Right. And I was wondering how much of it is Declan really searching for something that he's lost mm-hmm. and or something that maybe he never felt he had. He's never had his mom. Right. And I, I don't want to put that on Declan, but he obviously has a type and his type mm. is this particular fluttery blonde right. that, that seems fairly vapid in some respects. So like you were mentioning earlier, the fact that Declan seems to from relationship to relationship mm-hmm. is a really big contention point between him and Ronan because Ronan just totally doesn't get flings and mm-hmm. being noncommittal. That that warms my heart when I think about like him and Adam. Yeah. <laughs> I noted that one of the things that always makes me laugh on that is that Ravens mate for life. And so Ronan is more Raven than the others. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are some other things like Corvids often give gifts to their mates <laughs> as a way to show affection. And what does Ronan do? He like mysteriously leaves stuff for Adam to find. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like, the boys all seem to think that, that Ashley is just, like, another of Declan's disposable, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. disposable girlfriends. But they stay together throughout the entire... And that's people, actually not bad for, a, like, late high school, just out of high school relationship. Right. And people say that Ashley just disappears. And she's not really in, I think, most of the books. But mm-hmm. she's definitely still around in The Raven King. She is called out by name right. as someone that Declan is still with. She's just a tertiary character. She Mm -hmm. is flavor like so many of the other tertiary characters. So Adam mentions that he knows Declan is spying on them or at least on Ronan. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't bother him until he thinks it's not just about Ronan. Which it might not be just Mm -hmm. about Ronan. (laughs) Adam also notices that someone seems to be spying on them Mm -hmm. in regards to the ley line. He mentions it was a stare caught out of the corner of his eye or a set of scuffed footprints that didn't seem to belong to any of the boys Mm -hmm. or a library clerk saying that that a text had been checked out by someone right after he brought it back. Okay, so who does he suspect? This is definitely a suspicion that I don't feel actually comes to any kind of fruition as far as I can tell. Mm -hmm. And, And one would think that it'd be Welk, but it's very clearly laid out that Welk has no concept of what's right. happening. Welk, Welk is not following No. <laughs> In fact, Welk is shocked and surprised. Mm-hmm. I have a hypothesis that it could potentially be Kavinsky. That makes a following lot of Following Ronan around. That makes uh, a lot of sense. Because Kavinsky at this point does know that Ronan's a dreamer and is probably trying to figure out some of the things that maybe Ronan knows about his own ability. Mm -hmm. It's just a hypothesis. There is nothing in the text that supports that other than the fact that Adam thinks that someone's following them. Right. There's a a line where Adam doesn't actually want to bring this to Gansey because things seem to weigh heavily enough on Gansey as it is. And it's, geez, these kids are broken. They really are. And they recognize it. I mean, Adam sees Gansey's fragility Mm -hmm. and is like, I don't want to burden him with my suspicions. But yet, 
Right. Yeah, it's it's really it's really sad how they're all broken, but they also see that the others are broken too, mm-hmm, and they just mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to burden them with the thing that I'm hurting with because right, they're hurting too. Right. I have done that. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all have. Okay, and then the next thing is uh, the description of Monmouth, mm-hmm. which we're going to go into the deep dive here. Right. Because Monmouth is named after Joffrey of Monmouth. And Joffrey of Monmouth was a, I mean, what would you call him? Just Well, he was a, he was a, not a clergy, a monk. Yeah, basically a monk. I um, mean, he was a scholar and, mm-hmm. but he, he was working for the church, I believe. So a scholar for the church, I think. Yeah. He was born between 1100 and 1110 in Wales or the Welsh Marches, which are the border between Wales and England. He lived about 200 years before Glendower. He may have actually been from French-speaking Breton aristocracy and not actually Welsh by descent. He spent some time serving in a Benedictine monastery in Monmouth, but most of his adult life seems to have been spent outside of Wales. He was made Bishop of St. Asaph, but the words of Owen Gwynedd, that actually, I had to double check that name. Okay. It's um, not Gwentian. No. Uh, kept him from ever visiting his see. So, like, he never actually went to the mm. the place he was he was uh, bishop, bishop of. of. Must be nice. Um, he, I want to be bishop of a place that I never go I to. Know, right? <laughs> Just, he, can that happen? I mean, I'm already <laughs> ordained on the internet. <laughs> he probably died sometime between the 25th of December 1154 and 24th of December 1155. And what's interesting about him for our purposes, and why Maggie probably referenced him, is his Historia Regum Britanniae, or History of the Kings of England, which contains one of the earliest developed narratives of the King Arthur legend. Mm-hmm. Though the History of the Kings of England is widely seen as, seen as pseudo-history today. Or fiction. Yeah, fiction. <laughs> um, uh, the book combines folklore and chronicles kingless, dynastic tables, oral tales, and bardic praise poems to make a smoother, more cohesive narrative Mm -hmm. about the early history of England. Mm -hmm. Uh, The book has 12 parts. Books 1 through 6 are an origin story for England and stories about its early rulers. Mm -hmm. It's all very interesting, but we won't really get into that. Book 7 is called The Prophecies of Merlin. Basically, these short prophecies attributed to Merlin from the the Arthur legends. And some of them hint at things that are in, like, upcoming books. Some of them are allusions to political figures of the time. And some of them are just who knows what. Right. It's kind of obscure. Book 8 is the story of Uther Pendragon, who is King Arthur's father, and his rise, rule, and fall. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is this one was kind of interesting to me because I, I was literally just reading a book about this very thing. Mm. Like it's called The Dragon and the Unicorn by A. A. Athanasio. It's a, a retelling of of Uther's story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. <laughs> Books nine and ten, Arthur takes power, and it's most of the Arthurian legends and stuff. And eleven and twelve is where Arthur kills Mordred and is carried away to Avalon, and then the Saxons return, but British kings continue to rule until Codwallader. And I wish that I actually had read this because, well, I mean, or at least looked it up, because I'd love to know if the Sleeping King legend is actually in this particular set of books. Like, did he create that? Or is that something that came previous to him? So that's one of the questions that I had about it. And we can totally look that up and put it in like show notes notes or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
A couple pieces of trivia. These are actually about Monmouth the town mm-hmm. rather than mm-hmm. Monmouth, Joffrey of Monmouth. In Roman times, the town of Monmouth was known for its ironworks, which kind of... Mm. So yeah. I wonder mm-hmm. what Monmouth manufactured. <laughs> The Virginia isn't really like Iron Town, like right. Iron smelting. Yeah. yeah, more tobacco and stuff down there. Mm-hmm. And around 1405, citizens in the area of Monmouth were attacked by Glendower's allies, mm-hmm. but Monmouth wasn't. Hmm. <laughs> so up the Wye River from Monmouth is Monnington on Wye, which is actually a candidate for the ac- actual burial place of Glendower. Hmm, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. The reason that I wanted to go into Joffrey of Monmouth and I believe that I referenced this in episode zero, The Getting to Know Us, was that there was something that struck me, probably I think it was my fifth read through of the books, where the address of Monmouth Manufacturing is 1136. And that is actually the year that Joffrey of Monmouth published his History of the Kings of Britain. Or it's either, I forget if it's the publication date or if it's actually the year he wrote it. But basically, Maggie put the address as the publication date of <laughs> Joffrey of Monmouth. And that, that was the thing where I was like, really? Like, it took me five read-throughs to figure this out. And I actually did know a little bit about Joffrey of Monmouth before this, just because of Arthurian legend. But it took me five read-throughs to pick up this tiny, 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 tiny little detail that nobody else will care about. Thank you for mentioning that because I totally not. You did not get. Oh my god, that was the thing that I was like, oh my god, Maggie. Seriously, I'm so sorry. It's okay. (laughs) It's my favorite Easter egg of the books. So, so let's actually describe what Monmouth looks like. A hungry-looking brick factory gutted and black-eyed, growing out of an overgrown lot that took up nearly all of the block. And that's page 39 of The Raven Boys. It reminds me of, if you've ever heard of the movie Monster House. Mm -hmm. I have it on DVD, right? (laughs) In that other room. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It it kind of reminds, the description kind of reminds me of that. Mm Mm-hmm. And it has so much personality just right. from the very beginning. Right, yeah. And, you know, I wonder what was manufactured there. What took 20-foot right. ceilings and, well, like, so many open spaces? Yeah, and I had asked, you know, what is manufactured in Virginia? If there was something that was... To, do they have wood pulp mills? Because a printing press is, is mentioned, or is it... Yeah, I, they, like iron or it's, it's, it's I mean not, almost certainly coal, not iron coal is a thing right coal is definitely a thing <laughs> you're looking Sorry. across the table at a girl from West Virginia coal is a thing well I know coal's a thing <laughs> but I mean I know um, that that's like the thing but is there anything that perhaps not would have not come in a factory really okay I mean I kind of feel like Maybe they talk about moistures. I don't know. Yeah, it's, like, like it's obviously not going moisture to moisture stains and gouges in the brick walls. Right. Yeah, it could have been. <laughs> I mean, it could have been war manufacturing. Maybe mm. the next note that I have is the bit where it says Adam was very good at watching without being watched, and I'm just like, he had to be because right. Yeah, just for survival. Yeah, my thought exactly. It's. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of his habits that are very, very indicative of an abuse victim. However, he he mentions that Gansey's the only one who seems to catch him at it. But 
I think that's what he says. Gansey's the only one who seems to mm-hmm. catch him at it. But yeah. I mean, Ronan seems to catch him at it quite a bit too. But that's because Ronan's constantly staring at him. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so it's so th- cute. <laughs> so therefore, yes, he's going to catch him <laughs> watching everybody. Um, and then Adam's secret knock on the Monmouth door just cracks me up because it strikes me as such a boys clubhouse right. type, type of thing like you the, have to know the password yeah the one long two short his signal uh-huh. um but then there's also a mental thing where i mean adam and i know that they're basically treating ashley as an expendable resource but she's still a human being and the fact that he only mentally refers to her as girlfriend like she doesn't uh-huh. actually have a a name hello stop being a fucking jerk adam right. she is a human she deserves respect you should call her her name right regardless of how you feel about declan regardless regardless if you're going to anything, see her ever again ever again She's not just girlfriend, she is Ashley. Right. And I was thinking when I read this that the inside of Monmouth is so much just, it's basically just a look at the inside of Gansey's head. Right, yes. And I do love the quote that you had here, the dreamer's laboratory. Mm -hmm. It is one of my favorite quotes of the books. And it's both a dreamer's laboratory figuratively with Gansey and literally with Ronan. Uh And I think that that's just a little nudge into that foreshadowing too. Mm Mm-hmm. The walls covered with maps of the mountains of Wales and of Europe. And there's a telescope and piles of arcane electronics and books everywhere. Not the stacks of an intellectual trying to impress, but the slumping piles of a scholar obsessed. I like that even Ashley, who is like, you know, so new here, even gets... Mm-hmm. just immediately gets that this is somebody laid bare. Right. And just like from, you can see that from her reaction to the to the barely made bed. And you have all of this like the intellectual, the slumping piles of a scholar. And then some of the books were actually sports illustrated <laughs> swimsuit editions, which just brings back the reality that it's a 17 year old boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure. He's been around the world. Whatever. Totally a boy. He's still a 17 year old mm-hmm. boy. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the whole paragraph about Monmouth is basically basically saying this is the real Gansey. This is the person behind the president's cell phone persona. Mm-hmm. And you see it with the journal as well and the pig. And so many like we brought up last time in the last episode, this is how they are presenting themselves to the world mm-hmm. in a way that is more true right. to who they are inside. Mm-hmm. Adam just thinks that Monmouth is just so grand and wonderful. And it is... But it doesn't strike me as grand in the way that he seems to think it's grand. Mm -hmm. It's eccentric and interesting, but I wouldn't exactly call it, like, grand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Although it calls to mind the the place that looked on the outside like Adam looked on the inside is what he wants, which is really that what do you want, Adam? What do you need, Adam? The stainless steel condo monologue. Because... He wants something. He actually doesn't want what Monmouth looks like. He wants to be swept clean of Virginia and he wants mm-hmm. to be dustless, which considering he's constantly described as dusty is. Mm-hmm. And Gadam was Gadam. <laughs> I Freudian... thought you were a pinch girl. Freudian slip. Oh, no, no. 
There's a whole section on a Danzy later. <laughs> um, Gansey was the way he was because he had lived with money when he was small. Adam, a latecomer, a usurper, kept his change in a cereal box under his bed. And if there's not a more concise way to illustrate the difference between these two, I'm not sure what could that possibly be. And then... Gansey's called an old man drinking game. <laughs> Adam was struck as he occasionally was by Gansey's agelessness, an old man in a young man's body. Take, take a, a drink. drink. <laughs> totally going to take a drink. Okay. Done drinking. The miniature Henrietta is just so weird and charming. It really is. I love it. I it's I'm going to tear up because it's so cute. Um, it really but it's is. also really melancholy because uh-huh. Adam recognizes this. Again, we're given Adam's knowledge that this is like a, a physical representation of Gansey's anxiety, his insomnia, mm. his OCD, possibly his PTSD, mm. and that makes it Oh, yeah, I, such a stab in the gut. I forget exactly where it is, but there's a there's a a line where it's like every wall was a sleepless night. That's in here. That's is where it? he calls it out. Yeah, and then the area around Gansey smelled strongly of mint. It calls back to Blue, wondering if all spirits smelled of mint or if it was just particular to this one. Well, mm. it's just particular, particular to this particular one. To this one, right? <laughs> Adam's description of Gansey feels so loving to me. It's like, uh, yeah, it's just the uh, all-American Anglo-Saxon straight nose and the tousled brown hair and the summer narrowed eyes. Mm-hmm. And just, I, I, I was just struck by like, Adam just really wants to be what he sees Gansey as. Yeah. And how does this description make us feel about Gansey? And, you know, compared to how Gansey's descriptions of Ronan and Adam in the last episode made us feel about them. This is just so, I mean, it's almost white bread, like that Gansey as Captain America kind of feeling that not just vote for me, but like everyone rallies around Gansey Mm -hmm. kind of feeling. So this basically, I'm like, all right, Adam, (laughs) you're not fooling anybody. (laughs) Hello, nurse. (laughs) He's got such, I mean, I'm not saying he has a thing for Gansey particularly, but I think he has a thing for Gansey. I I think they all have things for each other. Yes. But I mean, (laughs) come on. I can totally get a Dansey at this point. Uh Uh-huh. Because, yeah. It's pretty obvious there. Adam is also really good at seeing the facade versus the real Gansey. The Gansey that lived inside his skin versus the one he put on when he slid his wallet into his chinos. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Gansey, when he's troubled and passionate, he doesn't have an accent versus when he's feeling more confident, mm-hmm. like he bristled with power and with the slippery, handsome accent of the old Virginia money. Right. And, yeah. This is interesting in that almost immediately afterwards, Adam compares it or not compares it, but talks about Declan's voice, which um, mm. if you look at all the things that Declan's voice supposedly sounds like, it's all like tornado damage and the side effects of pills <laughs> and safety procedures and events of a crash. Like they're all terrible things that nobody wants to have right. happen to them. That's how right. Adam hears Declan's voice. And Adam also, in comparing his accent with Gansey's Adam wants to lose his accent because of what he thinks it makes people think of him mm-hmm. and you know that's really common for the area because oh I have this accent people aren't people are gonna think I'm a hick right and it comes out when he's stressed or tired or worried mm-hmm. yep 
Yeah. <laughs> and and but Gandhi puts his accent on mm-hmm. because he thinks it's what what's expected of him mm-hmm. and it goes away when he's vulnerable. Right. Yeah, and that's why you don't see the two Gandhis at the same time because they're not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Gansey tries to be polite to Ashley, even though he doesn't think she'll stick around, because he tries to be polite to everyone. Right. And I... So Declan introduces Gansey, of course, by his first name. Does Declan do it, dare I say, to be a dick? Oh, I think he does. Yeah, he's really needling Gansey on Mm. that one. (laughs) I also like the the moment where um, Gansey is justifying buying Monmouth. Yeah. He starts sounding like his dad, and it says they could both trot out logic on a nice little leash wearing a smart plaid jacket when they wanted to. Yeah, I laugh at this every single time because I have, like, the most clear mental picture (laughs) of a fancy Scottish terrier named Logic. (laughs) Yeah. If I ever get a terrier, I'm naming it Logic. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just like, I'm sure the Ganseys have a Scottish terrier, and I'm sure his name is Logic. That is my headcanon forever. Fan art, feel free. (laughs) So Adam's worries about his clothes. He's constantly fretting about someone noticing that loose string. He feels less than next to Gansey's crisp as George Washington yeah, shirt. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Crisp- why? Why? Why not Benjamin Franklin though? Crisp as never mind. <laughs> why not pick a hundred dollars? Probably because Adam's never seen a hundred dollars. Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it costs more than his bike. And it's like, yeah, yeah. The, the bike is the most expensive thing he owns. <sighs> Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's really sad. Yeah, his self-consciousness just punches me in the gut because mm-hmm. this is Adam's POV. This is the first time we are seeing Adam as he sees himself. And these are the things that he is telling us as the reader that are important in his mind. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, and it's... Heartbreaking. There's really no other way to put yeah. it. It's heartbreaking. He just feels like he has to prove so mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. And it's always on his mind. And Gansey couldn't help talking about Glendower. <laughs> <laughs> and he has this whole long conversation with Ashley, who actually seems to know a lot about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, a surprising amount. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, right. I didn't know any of this stuff right, here in right, high school. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that she does puts a smile on Gansey's face that could light a coal mine. Which isn't that a terrible thing? <laughs> it's true. But, uh, <laughs> it's like, isn't there a whole town that's abandoned because the coal mine is burning underneath it? I mean, isn't that uh, well, an yes. awful thing? Okay, but, anyway. <laughs> yes. Um, but I, I don't think that's like, I, I don't think it was like, you know, a fire. I think it was more like a lamp. Oh, oh a lamp. Yes, I was dear. picturing like on fire coal no, mine. light a coal mine because coal mines are dark. And he had a, a headlamp. <laughs> okay. Okay. And, yeah. Anyway, I was um, picturing Silent Hill. <laughs> no, dear, not Silent Hill. <laughs> okay. All right. Um. Anyway, but yeah. Um. Miners from the British Isles, including Wales, were actually a big percentage of the people who settled the area. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of like. Yeah, Scotch Irish mm-hmm. um, ancestry there, which might actually go a little bit of the way to explain the place names in Henrietta. Yeah, and it might also explain Ashley's knowledge. I mean, we have no idea of who she is. We have no idea where she's from. She's in this chapter as a catalyst for Ronan and Declan mm-hmm. to fight. Basically, we don't even know where she goes to school. Is there an all-girls private school? Is she from DC? Like, did Declan meet her through his internship? Mm-hmm. I mean. Once again, yeah, we don't know how big 
she's at Henrietta. Oh, mm-hmm. We don't have any idea if there's another school. I don't think she goes to Mountain View with Blue. No. I mean, Blue, um, again, Blue would have known yeah, her. Yeah, Blue would have known her. And I have seen some great fanfic that gives Ashley a role, but like, you know, that it's all that's all headcanon. Mm-hmm. Gansey talks about the mythical signs or the mystical signs accompanying Glendower's birth. Mm-hmm. Invisibility, impossible victories. And I was wondering, like, are these actual myths connected mm-hmm. with him and just made up for the books? And, and I, I was like, we should talk when we have your friend on, if we if we get your friend on. and He's going to know more about the actual history of Glendower. Mm, but yeah. True. But I mean, they are very much things that are connected to Arthur. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, it would make sense that if there is this sort of Arthurian feel to a Glendower myth, that they would also right. be connected to Glendower. And this is actually the reader's introduction to Glendower. This uh-huh. is the first time we have heard why Gansey is on this quest. Right. And Ashley is standing in as our audience proxy for Exposition Monkey, basically. Right. So it's interesting to me, too, that this lecture is coming from Adam's perspective of Gansey versus Gansey's perspective of telling the story of Glendower. Right, it's just Adam looking mm-hmm. looking on as he hears this for the hundredth time. Right. And I like the line, in Gansey's stories, Glendower could never die. Right, my note in my book was, in this story, Gansey can never die. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I've definitely had the feeling the first time I was reading through them that, and I've seen this with other people, this is absolutely not an original thought, that Gansey might be Glendower reincarnated, and that would have been a really easy way to put that in. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it could be. And who's to say that he's not? Exactly. (laughs) It struck me that Gandhi doesn't actually realize that he is already all of the things that he admires in Glendower. Wise and brave and sure of his path, touched by the supernatural and respected by all and survived by his legacy. Mm -hmm. And then Adam's like, he left out the part of how it haunted him. And I literally and figuratively, Uh because Noah's haunting him. Right. (laughs) Yeah, there's a definite tinge of OCD and anxiety disorder in Adam's description, which gets unwrapped really slowly throughout the series. I don't think you really pick up on it the first time around, but he even describes obsessive excess accessories uh, later in the chapter so mm. Adam has trouble believing in the supernatural because his life is so rooted in like harsh realities mm-hmm. and mm. yeah and Ronan has no trouble with it because like he lives with it he is so literally a dreamer yeah, and it, yeah yeah it made a lot more sense the second time around because Ronan's not only used to the magic as he was growing up but he's also used to stories that Absolutely just have to be taken on faith, Uh which is the definition of Catholicism. Right. Something that I like to ponder is how does this concept of magic affect each of the boys, both individually, how do each of them look at magic, and kind of collectively, how do they approach the concept of magic? And it's not a question that gets answered right off the bat. Right. It's maybe not a question that ever really gets answered. Obviously, Gansey's seeking magic, and Adam is wary of magic, and mm-hmm. Ronan is right magic. I mean... <laughs> When I was reading, I I, I noticed uh, Noah's pristine bedroom, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I was wondering, like, what is the printing press doing in there? And we just, you know, that never gets mentioned. It's like, why would a seventeen-year-old boy have a printing press in his bedroom? And you know, mentioned that he's not the best with new people, and he's always grubby. He's got unkempt mm-hmm. clothing. 
And then he's like, oh, I've been dead for seven years. And I'm just like, how did I miss this the first time through? I think it just played off as a joke. I mean, Ashley does a little obligatory giggle. And for me, I actually took it as gospel. Like he says, my hands are cold. I've been dead for seven years. And I'm like, oh, he's dead, right? Like, whatever. (laughs) It's a supernatural story. So he just told me he was dead. And then later, they're like, oh, we won't make you eat pizza, Noah. Mm -hmm. I was like, why would he eat pizza? He just said he was dead. And it (laughs) took me a really long time to figure out that nobody apparently realized that Noah was dead. Made no sense. There's a big theme in in this chapter of Ronan versus Declan. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ronan got a $900 tattoo to make Declan mad. And it's like, we get some of why they hate each other so much, but... I feel like there's something more because like, you know, it's it's opposite personalities and priorities, but mm. it's it's like, you know, is it just that Declan resents all the responsibility that he's had to take? And then like Ronan just hates authority. Yeah. Yeah. It's more we, than that to you. Yeah. We never we never get it. You pointed out in the last episode about the stealing of the BMW, but like I really feel that's more of the symptom and mm. not the cause. And I, I think it's revealed later that Ronan's mostly pissed because Declan had to keep Ronan from the Barnes and his mother. And, right. and I can't even imagine how that would feel for both of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, how does Declan feel about this fact that he knows the truth and he can't tell his brother and his mm-hmm. brother hates him for it? Right. Oh, man. Um, and the difference between the two of them, the descriptions of Declan vote for me and Ronan as being this species was poisonous. And uh-huh. Ronan definitely, he just spews poison all over this situation. He specifically stayed home from class, from tennis, by the way, which cracks me up, so that he could do it. <laughs> right. I mean, he's, he, he's, he's baiting Declan. He wanted yeah. to pick a fight. He's doing it to pick a fight. He could have not. It mentions that Gansey liked Ronan because Ronan was earnest, even if he was horrible. And with Gansey, honesty was golden. And I'm like, well, Declan really isn't a liar either. Yeah, I don't see any difference between the way Declan... I mean, I do see a little bit of a difference, but Declan and Ronan both tell the truth by withholding the truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. Yeah, they just have very different presentations. And then there was a little tiny little throwaway detail of a fly buzzed overhead. And I wondered if it was the wasp huh. that comes in later. But that's Yeah, it could have been. Yeah. I just, I love Ronan's door, like, papered with speeding tickets. Right. <laughs> yeah, someone was, uh, I, this is a Tumblr post and I don't have it pulled up in front of me. And I will try and give credit because um, someone was saying that in Virginia... That Ronan, if he had more than three speeding tickets, he would have had his license taken away or something Mm -hmm. of that nature. And so they were questioning this whole speeding ticket thing. (laughs) I really, I have to call out Gansey for his man whore remark because it is one of the things that makes me grit my teeth. And it's one of the places where I genuinely dislike Gansey. Mm. He has no right to say that about Declan. It does not matter what his true feelings are. Right. That is not okay. And then going back to our conversation in the last episode about Blue and Orla, 
this is actually what made me back off on Blue because I started comparing how Ronan feels about his resentment towards Declan and Blue's resentment towards Orla and what you had said kind of about Orla being able to have what Blue can never have and Mm. how there might be some of that. And quite frankly, Ronan might feel the same way because he is a gay Catholic boy in a small Virginia town. Mm -hmm. And Declan gets to go out and have whatever he wants. And even though Ronan might not actually know he's gay or he might be slowly coming to that realization, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of really deep barriers to Ronan and a casual relationship. Right. And it's... Because it's not going to be accepted. It's Well, it's not going to be accepted, but like way more than that like Mm -hmm. way more than it's just not going to be accepted it's just like there's a lot of deep-seated i don't know it's just yeah 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 i I get it it's just like Mm -hmm. you know like i I just i can't yeah yeah yeah. and how much of that hatred is based on that Mm -hmm. yeah i like the description of when when gansey is chiding ronan afterwards Mm -hmm. for for his treatment of ashley Adam's like, he said you and Declan like it was a physical object you could pick up and look underneath. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it's just this like... Well, it gives it weight. It uh-huh. gives it actual physicality. Uh-huh. And, and then he, he's like, you treated her badly. You made the rest of us look bad. Gansey doesn't seem to be one to want people to think he cares about appearances, but he really does. And mentions that, that Renan looks sorry, but he was basically only sorry because Gansey was there to see. Yeah. Because like, like we said earlier, he was he was picking a fight. He, he was. Oh, absolutely. It. But I mean, there's no use in picking a fight if there's nobody there to see it. So I, I kind true. of... Uh, I, mm, does that actually make sense? <laughs> Not really, because Ronan wants people to see him picking a fight with Declan. The line that struck me and always strikes me is, what lived between the Lynch brothers was dark enough to hide anyone else's feelings. Yeah. Mm. It's... <laughs> yeah. Those two. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like the, let's go to Nino's. We'll get pizza and I'll call that psychic and the whole goddamn world will just sort itself out. What I like is that you put GD mess... <laughs> I started laughing. I'm like, Shannon, you can spell out goddamn. <laughs> it's all right. I'm not going to curse much. <laughs> I know, but it just, I thought it was adorable. <laughs> um, this is the first mention of the thumb to the lower lip gesture. And Adam definitely says that Gansey doesn't seem to know when he does it. Mm-hmm. And then Noah, we won't make you eat. And this is, this is where I was like, what? What? That makes no sense. Like, why would he eat? You just said you were, he was dead. Like, this, what? I, he's not going to eat pizza. He just uh. said he was dead. Like, he literally just told you he was. I don't get why this is a problem. It makes no sense. Ashley is described as uh, smarter than they thought with more than usual curiosity. And Adam is obviously suspicious of her. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, yeah, are we supposed to be suspicious of her? Because, like, I never was. Right. I can totally see that she's just doing that thing that girls do to... Right. Yeah. She's, like, checking out what her boyfriend is doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, ostensibly, her boyfriend. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and and plus, we meet Welk in the next chapter, and he's, like, yeah. obviously a no terrible good person, the start. Right. I, I think we're just supposed to think Adam is suspicious. Right. And that is probably, it may be more so than Ashley is suspicious. It's that 
I mean, Adam, in a lot of ways, is actually kind of set up to be a villain in mm-hmm. the first book. So is it just that we are seeing Adam being suspicious and therefore it leads us to be suspicious of him? Hmm. It could be. Mm-hmm. The description of Gansey's relationship to Glendower. Gansey longed for him like Arthur longed for the Grail, a desperate but nebulous need to be useful to the world, to make mm-hmm. sure his life meant something. A complicated longing to settle an argument that waged deep within himself. I just mm. think that's a really excellent description of Gansey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even though Ronan was snarling and Noah was sighing and Adam was hesitating, I'm just like, that is such right. a... Yeah. <laughs> so then, he didn't turn to verify that they were coming. He knew they were. They'd follow him anywhere. Yeah, and the line, instead, he had chosen the three of them. Three guys who should have, for three different reasons, been friendless. Mm-hmm pretty much sums up Gansey for me. Mm-hmm. Adam's like, oh, he'd, he'd earned them in different ways. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that, that to me speaks to Adam's worry that accepting any kindness from anybody means that person owns him. Right. We get at the end of this, the first use of Excelsior as a catchphrase. Yeah. All right. So next is chapter five from Welk's point of view. Barrington Welk, the Aglianby Latin teacher, is a former student fallen from grace. He has his own strange St. Mark's Eve rituals and is shocked to hear that Gansey is a Leyland hunter like he and his ex, very ex, roommate Cherney used to be. One of the first things we learn is that Welk gets plastered every St. Mark's Eve. And I'm wondering, is he actually sorry about what he did to Noah? Or is he just feeling sorry for himself? It's pretty clear that he's probably just feeling sorry for himself. Sorry for himself. But I wonder, too, if maybe those voices that he hears in his head are louder on St. Mark's Eve. Mm. Then, uh, but it could just be that he's feeling sorry for himself. He says, teaching Latin to Agland B-boys was punishment enough. And I also had that, like, for what? For killing Noah? Uh-huh. Like, what? why is Barrington? Welk even in Virginia or even in Henrietta still I mean even with no money surely he could teach Latin anywhere else right Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering if he's being held there by the ley line Mm, it could be because I mean I don't think he's still looking no at this point I don't believe he is and uh, he talks about unrolling some maps that he hadn't looked at in a long time in the later chapters Mm -hmm. And Ronan Lynch, is that his homework? And I'd be surprised too, my dude. Because uh-huh. like, <laughs> Ronan never goes to class. No, it, it, this establishes Ronan's missing of classes, uh-huh. which, it, you know, even more so than before, which is really what sets up the fight with Declan in the next Later chapter. On, yeah. Or not next, but the following chapter. And Welk is barely older than the students, and he looked younger than he was. He's actually, well, Noah's been dead for seven years, yeah. so he's seven years older. <laughs> yeah, it didn't hit me until several read-throughs that Welk is 24 years old. Mm-hmm. And I had pictured him in his 30s. I, 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 the mental math just didn't happen. And so when I think about being a 24-year-old, although I was a fairly responsible 24-year-old by that time, uh, like his attitude seems to make a lot more sense all of a sudden. It's not right. forgivable, but it makes more sense. Mm-hmm. The inseparable trio of Ronan and Gansey and Adam. It literally says threesome. <laughs> Does it? I think it oh says my gosh. threesome. <laughs> I know you, you have threesome. threesome. I gonna, do. Okay, you're going to check. I'm going to check because it, it makes me laugh that, he's called, that he calls it a threesome. But anyway, continue. 
We can stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fairly sure he says threesome. I'm going to wait until you chat because I have to very specifically say threesome. <laughs> yeah, it's a threesome. <laughs> he calls it out as a threesome. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the inseparable threesome of Ronan and Gansey and Adam um, make him make make Welk feel his loss most keenly. And I'm wondering like why specifically that is. Is it just because Gansey's on the same quest or mm. a very similar quest? Maybe maybe there's some connection with why Noah latched mm. on to the three of them. And I note that Noah's name is not on this list because if he were an Aglinby student, you know, one would think he is, right? Right. But- Welk says all of the boys in his class were affluent, confident, and arrogant, except Adam's not. Yeah, he's totally not <laughs> any so of those things. those things being called out as reasons why he hates the inseparable threesome make Adam's Adam not. Adam is not any of those yeah, things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Ronan never misses Latin. It's the only class he never misses. And I'm wondering exactly why. You had said, does he just want to talk to Caveswater? Does he mistrust Welk? I don't think it's either. Ronan just wants to be able to communicate. He's had this language in his head since he was very, very young, which Mm -hmm. he misinterpreted as As being Latin. Latin. Mm -hmm. And there's some question as to whether the Tierra Lentes actually knew Latin or whether they picked up Latin from Ronan trying to learn Latin in order to to translate these thoughts that he's having. Uh-huh. Like, it, chicken egg. Not sure. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Welk parking his crappy car next to the beautiful Aglenby cars. Welk is not just a mirror f- or a foil for Gansey, but he also is for Adam as well. Mm-hmm. And, and Ronan to some extent, because originally he was rich and careless and a jerk. <laughs> right. And then now he's very desperate. Uh-huh. And it sets up this concept of, like, who could these boys be? Right. In the future. Uh-huh. And the description, Welk, alone and haunted and never able to forget that he was once one of them. When did this become my life? And I'm like, he knows exactly when this mm-hmm. became his life. It's when he killed Noah. Yeah, that's exactly my thoughts as well. And the Titus Tick saying, that one I have never heard. Yeah, that's not like Peshaw. That's not like a thing that people say in Virginia, West Virginia, like Titus Ticks. Not as far as I know. Okay. (laughs) Welk describes a hollowness or a hunger. And that description was very similar to the one given for how spirits work. Right. And Blue also, though, describes all of the boys as being hungry when she first Mm -hmm. sees them. It's true. In the next chapter. They are at a pizza place. <laughs> womp womp. <laughs> I can always put in some uh, some sound effects there for you, Shannon. Uh, so St. Mark's Day in Ley Lines and the discussion that the other teachers are having about Gainsey's like constantly talking about, mm-hmm, about his mm-hmm. quest. And Welk is super surprised that Gansey knows about this stuff. Right. Like we had mentioned before, if that's the case, who has Adam been noticing? And right. maybe Kaminsky, like, like you said. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. Obviously, everybody knows about this. So. 
<laughs> because they're like, oh, you don't know. I, I'm mm-hmm. sure you talk your ear off about it. Right, right. And Adam Adam mentioned earlier that he would take right. any opportunity to talk nonstop about Gansey it. Gansey does make a note in a later chapter that, and it's page 114 of the Raven Boys, that he's tried to connect to Welk and Welk seemed uninterested and the Gansey couldn't find an in. Right. Maybe if he had talked about Glendower. Now, it doesn't seem like Welk has put Glendower together with the ley lines. Right. So even if Gansey was talking about Glendower, Welk might not have thought anything about it. Right. Because without that actual, like, ley lines being the code word, he mm-hmm. may have just passed it off. Right. That whole passage, the one that you have quoted next, is so visceral and disturbing. Mm-hmm. Welk in a dense wood, trees darkening, all moving though there was no wind, churning on the ground dying, his face just done. Mm-hmm. Unearthly voices hissed and whispered, words blurred and stretched together. It's obviously caves water, right? Mm-hmm. but but it's also reminiscent of the whispers that Gansey hears drawing him to Henrietta. Right. And I was wondering like how much of both of these, how much right. of it is caves water, how much of it is ghosts Yeah, we're, we're assuming that the voices are from the ley lines or from mm-hmm. the Tierra Lentes, but Welk may also just have mental issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he killed his best friend. Well, so. I mean, besides the <laughs> obvious, I mean, I'm just saying that, that Welk may have something else going mm-hmm. on that is compounded by, or even something that was hooked into by right. the ley lines or by Caves Water or by the Tierra mm-hmm. Lentes. The talk about how much Gansey is worth and what would his dad think if he knew what his son was doing mm-hmm. and uh, Welk getting self-conscious because he just knows that that yeah. Milo remembers how far he's fallen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Welk's making a big assumption because he's like, I know he's thinking about how like terrible things are with me and you know that for a fact. Mm. He may have just not wanted to talk to you. Dude, right, kind of a creepy guy. <laughs> but it also it also calls back to Blue's mention of the only thing right. Henrietta people mm-hmm. liked more. And Gansey says that as well. Uh huh. With the um, pig being broken down on the side of the road. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the third. It's sort of the third refrain of that statement of mm-hmm. classism, right? In this particular town. Well, because like you know, this is his treasure, and it was his teen years, and like you know, why does Gainsey get to do this? Mm-hmm. You know, just Welk wants to go back to his glory days of you know when he was rich and like on top of the world, and right, yeah, it's a definite compare contrast to Gansey and to Adam because Adam also needs to find Glendower for the favor, which is basically what Welk was going to the ley line for was to mm. get a favor, although it wasn't necessarily defined that way, right, and. The is a spot where near the end when he's putting everything together where it says the voices in Wilkes' head were a roar mm-hmm. and you know again we're echoing the fact that he and Gansey both hear voices right and then he's like oh maybe maybe Noah well he says Cherny right but, but uh, maybe Noah's death wouldn't have been in vain and I'm like no it wasn't but it has nothing to do with you right right yeah <laughs> So chapter six is Blue's POV. Blue goes to work at a local pizzeria named Nino's, receives a phone call from her mother saying Gansey has booked a reading for the following day, and then is approached by a raven boy who is decidedly insulting. Blue's bizarre resume doesn't really seem that strange to me. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just feels like a teenager taking whatever jobs are available. And- right. 
you know, but but then again, she specifically wants to be seen as weird. Right. And Blue and Adam both sort of have a million jobs between them. So, uh-huh. uh, which as a poor kid, yep, that you happens. do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you take what you can get. Again, I'm I'm still confused as to how Blue doesn't know them. Right. Um, it's like, you know, Nino's is at the very edge of historic downtown. Again, how big is Henrietta? Right. It's within blocks of Aglianby. And uh, Blue actually feels like it belongs to the school. Right. No, there's absolutely no reason mm-hmm. why she doesn't know, like, the pile of their seats in the pig. They just, what, never notice each other? Yeah. I mean, it seems I mean, so weird. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's even more about that but it just doesn't make any sense at all especially to me considering that Gansey is currently living through echoes of his own life right so wouldn't he recognize blue as important prior to this moment you would think that i mean there's so many other things that he does feel a connection mm-hmm. to that he gets that sense of deja vu from right why not blue why not blue exactly maybe it has to do with the fact that she's in the mirror maybe but I mean, but, that, that's but something, later but. when they're in the helicopter he says that it feels right like she slots into place right so i don't know maybe yeah. gansey's just oblivious we all know that <laughs> blue's trouble with loudness and, and crowdedness and her, her longing for open spaces shows up here mm-hmm. the loud music paralyzes the finer parts of her personality which and- are <laughs> no. oh come on <laughs> I'm sorry. I like blue fine. We know that. (laughs) Go ahead. Finish. And and she wanted a job that wouldn't suck all the thoughts out of her head and replace them with the leering call of a synthesizer. To be fair, the Beastie Boys does this to me, too. (laughs) I think it does it to everyone. Yeah. And her dream is studying tree rings. Mm-hmm. And like, there's so much hinted about her her ancestry, mm-hmm. even in these first few chapters. Also, the scale crested pygmy tyrant. Mm-hmm. I wish I could find a Tumblr still for that, like <laughs> a name for you to be that on Tumblr, right, because it sounds it sounds like a career for a five foot tall girl. Hello, I want to be a pygmy tyrant. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It mentions that Mora keeps like slithering out of talking to Blue about mm-hmm. about Artemis, mm-hmm. and it just makes me think of like what exactly is it that makes her so afraid to talk to Blue about it? Yeah, I don't understand. What is Mora protecting? Is Mora protecting Blue, or is she protecting herself? Really? Yeah, part- because. Probably yeah. a little of both. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of self protection. Like she almost doesn't want to admit what happened. Mm. Uh, Mora's "Don't panic. Are you sitting?" There's a whole jumble of words that doesn't seem very in character for Mora, uh-huh. and it really seems to reveal that Mora's just as shaken by the fact that right. Gansey has called and the thought of Gansey and Blue meeting as Blue is. Mm-hmm. And Blue's reaction to mm-hmm. hearing that Gansey is going to be having a reading. The realization tumbled down, weighing her feet, and her voice was a bit faint. Mm-hmm. And it's like, she's so, like, in love with him already. Or, like, the idea of him. Or, right, like, you know. right, yeah. As she hung up, she could feel her pulse fluttering. I also noted that this was kind of language that is normally used for falling in love. Right. And it's such a contrast with the way that they interact a little later. Yeah. yeah, When they actually meet up for the first time. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it was real. He was real. And it was all true and terribly, terribly specific. And it calls to mind the unspecific, the unspecific predi- predictions, predictions, right? Which most of the ones that we see made are, are pretty not. specific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're very specific. I think, again, they're playing it off as being unspecific so that they're protected. Uh-huh. And Blue, when she starts to get stressed out about all this stuff, um, mentions wanting to be home, leaning against her beech tree. Mm-hmm. And trees, especially that specific one, are, are they're her safe space. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's where she wants to be when things get crazy. Right. And Blue is already point- putting things together as well. She's thinking to herself that Neve said that this was the year that she'd fall in love. Right. And her true love is going to die when she kisses him. And that Gansey's going to die. Coincidence? And, uh-huh. I I think not. <laughs> I'm just gonna use my Ronin voice for the rest of the episode. <clears throat> and she's wondering, like, is this how her life is supposed to be? And is mm-hmm. it actually better not to know what's gonna happen? Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. Something touched her shoulder. Just reminded me of the something, which was a spirit uh, touching Neve's hair, oh, mm-hmm. which just made me think of Gansey as a spirit. Right. Right. And then there's Gansey, who had probably been closer to a pygmy tyrant than she would ever be. I'm fairly sure he's two feet away from a pygmy tyrant, like, <laughs> at this moment. Right, yes. right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he had to incline his head to meet her eyes and was annoyingly impressive. Yes, I love Annoyingly that impressive. It's just like, yes. Yeah, he's no taller than most boys so he's average height but annoyingly impressive Uh uh-huh and noah is described as smudgy and faded and like he'd been laundered too many times Mm -hmm. and i'm thinking is that part of the cycle or is it just him being a ghost right and and interesting because i had not thought about the cycles and how many times has noah actually been through this already yeah we we don't we We don't know and i like the description of ronan as a handsome soldier in a war against everyone and Adam was elegant, fine-boned, and fragile-looking, with pretty blue eyes. And despite her better instincts, Blue felt a flutter of interest. And I have to admit, I was totally fine with Blue and Adam in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I understand, you know, the relationship goes off the rails. But I was immensely pleased that it did not turn into the normal love triangle. Yeah. Which is what I was super afraid of when I first started these books. Mm-hmm. It would have been a fine relationship. Like, um, Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, it didn't work out, but things often don't work out. Yeah, so that's real true. life. As much as she doesn't want to be, Blue is drawn to the boys. Mm-hmm. When they ask her to talk to them, she's she says she thought for only a second before deciding that talking to a booth of Raven boys would be wading through awkward, vaguely sexist conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and it was not a pleasant millisecond. Right. <laughs> but she is charmed by Adam in spite of herself because of his blush and his like cringing at Gansey. Uh-huh, because so Adam knows that Gansey is a terrible person sometimes uh-huh. when he talks about money. Mm-hmm. Um, and Adam's blushing ears, which are, are described here, are the cutest thing ever uh-huh, in fan art. So cute. So cute. <laughs> and oh my God, the fight with Gansey. Ah. Uh, it's like, seriously? I'll take care of it and how much do you make in an hour? What the hell was he thinking? Yeah. No, no, no. He doesn't really think about it. That's yeah. the problem. It's like, it's like she's not being unfair or overreacting here at no. all. It's like he's just being an ass. Yeah. And, and he should have known better, even if he does always just say the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, Gansey definitely has foot and mouth disease mm-hmm. here, and he, you're right, he doesn't actually apologize. No, he doesn't. It's, 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 it's a half-assed apology. Right. Like, I'm sorry you're insulted is uh-huh. not an That's apology. not an apology. Um, I would have told him to get lost, too, and I would right. have thrown in Kala's, like, flip-off. <laughs> right. I do feel, like, some secondhand empathy for him, though. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean... He is... He said the wrong thing, but he really didn't mean it. And he really does try to be a better yeah, person. But and intention is not magic. <laughs> no. And he deserves to be called out. Yes. There is absolutely nothing saying that Blue shouldn't call him out on this, because it is bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then President's cell phone goes back to his table and picks up the notably incongruous fat leather journal, uh-huh. which is what fascinates her later when it comes into right, her hands. Exactly. So here's this like dude walks away. He's a total dick. No pun intended. And then wait, he has this like what? really interesting yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That feels like totally awesome to her later. Right. And you know, Ronan is just like entranced by this. He's, well, of course he is. <laughs> I love the whole crash and burn. Yes. Like, <laughs> but Ronan has a habit. It is shown throughout the books that he mimics people. And he's just an asshole. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna, not going to say that any of that is okay. Because he mm-hmm. mimics, like, the not a prostitute line. Uh-huh. That's just Ronan being an asshole. Yeah. He is being an asshole. <laughs> Period. And Adam is super embarrassed that this whole thing is happening at all. Mm-hmm. And and he tries to fix it. Right. Which is, yeah. He's embarrassed. And, and Blue noticed that he looks very remorseful. Like, this is not what Adam had intended to happen at Not all. at all, no. <laughs> and uh, I love the real foul look, or a foul look, a real Kala number. It's so uh, funny the second time around, because here you have not met Kala. Yeah, you haven't met Kala. <laughs> You're and like, like, who's Kala? Who's Kala? Doesn't make any sense, but then I have this <laughs> mental picture of Kala just, like, glaring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then at the end of the chapter, Blues thought that Neve had to be wrong. She'd never fall in love with one of them. Right. And I'm like, nope, not just one. Like, basically, basically all, all four. four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. Now we have uh, chapter seven, which is from Gansey's point of view. And Gansey and Adam discuss finding the ley line after dinner, only to be interrupted by the news that Renan and Declan are having a knockdown drag out in the parking lot. And the chapter opens up with Gansey rehashing and complaining about the fight with... Mentally complaining. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and he's like, well, Cialina didn't find him condescending, and that's probably because she didn't hear him speak. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably the case, Gansey. Right. He was looking for the evil, not a prostitute waitress. And I'm like, dude, you're not evil because she yeah. called you out on your bullshit. Yeah. And- it's like, it's not her fault you screwed up and it's going to eat you all night. Right. I don't like the whole like rip out his spine and eat it or whatever he says. I'm like, <laughs> chill axe, Gansey. Uh-huh. Like, just chill. It does, though, again, I have empathy for him on this. It does seem to genuinely bother him, though. He he fucked up. He knows it mm-hmm. from his POV. At least he has enough self-awareness to recognize that and to make yet again the vow to kind of watch right. his words. He's, and yeah, 
he's doing it yet again, but he is trying. He's trying. Yeah. And, and especially about money, because this is obviously uh-huh. a fight. Absolutely. He's just super oblivious. And the fact that he recognizes that gives him so many points in my book. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. What he said was bullshit. <laughs> he deserved to be called on his bullshit. Uh-huh. But he's at least recognizing <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. And then uh, Ronan picking off all his, all, all the all the scabs and he would have picked off Adam's too. I'm like, dude, you need to pick up on like a flirting, like just how to flirt for dummies. <laughs> do they make that book? Because... <laughs> I'm not sure that's how you do it, right? Yeah, and they they help each other with their rawness mm-hmm. and they help each other to express their pain because mm-hmm. Ronan encourages Adam to yeah. have a voice and speak yeah. up and Adam helps Ronan to have a comprehensible voice. Right. It's no, something right. that's not just like primal scream. Yeah. And the discussion about, about why they're going to a psychic because, you know, psychics are a good idea because they work with energy. Right. And, you know, right, some right. of them do and that's definitely what Gansey needs. And, the energy, energy, matchy, matchy. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Adam doesn't believe in the supernatural. Right. But he's going because he wants to believe and he thinks Gandhi needs him to believe. Adam is scientific. He's calculating. He needs proof. He's learned to trust only what he can lay his hands Mm -hmm. on as being solid. He's probably been promised a lot of things in his life that haven't happened. Yeah. So he trusts himself and that's it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Gansey is really worried about Adam because right. Adam is working himself to death mm-hmm. dark circles under the eyes he looks exhausted yeah the concern is like distracting Gansey yeah we've reached already peak dad Gansey because like I like <laughs> I, I kind of expected it to go into are you eating enough are you sleeping enough do you need a jacket wait you have something on your face can I spit on my napkin and wipe it off for you like come on dude like Gansey mm-hmm. and this is where we get one of our first looks at the arguments about money that are mm-hmm. constantly happening mm-hmm. between Adam and Gansey. You know, like, Gansey knows Adam needs help. And, right. he wants, and he wants to give it to him in a way that Adam yeah. will accept. He even frames it in his own mind as like, well, if I say that it's for me, like, he's no good to me, maybe he'll think it's selfish and therefore he won't think it's charity. So, right. Gansey knows what the arguments that Adam is going to present are. Right. It's clear that this has happened, like, mm-hmm, before. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's a well-worn rut in their relationship. Uh-huh. Um, we also get confirmation that the, the willow stick in the pig was, in mm-hmm. fact, a dowsing rod. Right. There's a long discussion of dowsing and EMF meters. Which we're talking about doing as our deep dive in the next episode. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. And Gansey's talking about how it's so hard to find mm-hmm. the ley line because even with his maps of the ley lines that he has, right. even the thinnest pencil mark is going to be like such a wide area of ground to cover. Right. And you said you had Googled Pilot Mountain and you hadn't found anything particular, but actually there are some legends of basically a lost Cherokee tribe in the area that lives in the center of Pilot Mountain. And the legends seem to be almost very similar 
similar to the Fae, where oh, they'll uh-huh. they'll abduct people or kind of bring them in. So right. I'll post that article. Okay. The I saw a couple of different ones, but yeah. the one that I liked the best, I'll go ahead and put that in the okay, show Okay, because like I'd seen like a page with something similar, but I didn't mm-hmm. know if that was like... Hard to say yeah. because I'm not from the area. I, there were lots of ghost stories and stuff, but that was the one that seemed the most yeah. specific to Pilot Mountain. So mm-hmm. It also says that Gansey is dowsing to find Henrietta. That seems awful difficult. What, uh-huh. Did he just like walk up and down every single road on the East Coast with the willow stick? Yeah. I have no idea. Really? Okay, Gansey, there's this thing called a pendulum, (laughs) and you can use it on a map, and it involves far less walking. It's basically like a big version of dowsing. So Uh I'll teach you how to do it, dude. (laughs) Adam's suggestion of using electricity to make finding the ley line easier actually makes a lot of sense, and it it feels like a foreshadowing that he'll be the one to open up the ley line, Mm -hmm. and that he'll have a connection to it. And I saw it as foreshadowing of blue as a battery, because he actually uses the word battery, Mm -hmm. and making the energy larger and easier to find. Mm -hmm. Like blue makes things louder. Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, something to make it louder and easier to follow. Like, And Gansey's skepticism of Adam's suggestion kind of presages his reaction to Adam going off on his own and right, yeah, waking mm-hmm. the line. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it makes sense to me that, that ley lines and electricity could be linked. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, energy, energy, matchy, matchy. Right. Foreshadow. It definitely foreshadows the ley lines blowing out all of the power in the dream thieves. Oh, uh-huh. So, yes, the ley line surges, actually, that does come into play later on. It literally, mm-hmm. it literally does affect the electricity. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gansey's talking about the... The kid in Montana. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was the, the kid with the bit of radio antenna. Right. Yeah, I've actually heard of dowsing. That was basically just that. Right. And maybe I should save this story, but, like, I was actually, true story, was taught how to douse by a 50-year-old plumber <laughs> who who basically wanted to show me how to fight in water lines underground. So you he had a case, and it almost looked like a pool cue case, where you opened it up, and it was, like, two and a half foot long L-shaped pieces of wire mm-hmm. that you just sort of very gently held balanced on your fingers and as you walked over the water lines the two pieces of wire would cross and then as you finished walking over the water lines they would uncross it actually worked he would have a map of the 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 pipelines and he would check how accurate you were based on the 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 actual map of where the pipelines were it was actually really cool so that's how i learned how to um how to douse interesting yeah from a 50 year old like plumber dude <laughs> not not a psychic not a not a witch a 50 year old plumber one of the things that popped up in my mind was when i was reading the bit about you know this kid in montana was mm-hmm. so like so it's like you know gansey just flew out to montana just to see this kid yeah uh-huh it's like, you know, what about Henrietta? Did he want to, like, was he was he just trying to convince his kid to come back to Henrietta? And, oh, and- yeah, yeah. Knowing, I mean, yes, he did want him to come back to Henrietta. But knowing Gansey, he probably saw an article somewhere, like, strange news article. And given Gansey's personality, he probably just heard about this kid through research and then was fascinated by sort of the the phenomenon of how this kid could sense electrical energy after Mm -hmm. being hit by lightning and excuse me by the way why couldn't the kid have ridden a motorcycle 
or like uh, the back of a pickup truck or ridden a horse or something. I mean, I know it's still it's a long still way. It's still a long way. Yes. It's three but quarters of the country. People definitely ride motorcycles across the country. It's true. It's and, true. And it's, it is specified that he is riding an ATV. So it's not like he is against motorized vehicles. Right. Exactly. And Gansey became aware that Noah was lurking by his elbow. Not that mm-hmm. Noah came in, but he yeah, became he just appears aware. Behind yeah, it's Noah being ghosty again. Right, right. <laughs> and he says Noah seemed to have less places where his hands belonged. Like he goes uh-huh. to put his hands in his pockets, and that that sent me on this long spiral of whether ghosts actually have pockets uh-huh. to put their hands in. It was it was unnecessary. Gansey burst out into the parking lot without even checking himself. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. He would actually, I mean, I'm like, he would do anything for the people he loves. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's it's like Noah doesn't even get a full sentence out before Gansey is just like out there. Yeah. And Ronan doesn't really seem to deserve it Uh at this point. That's what's, what's hard for, I think, the reader to grasp here is that Ronan's just a dick. Mm-hmm. At this point, and you don't know why, other than it's a very informed decision for Gansey to be running out because we don't know the backstory. We've right. just been told that there is one. The one thing that Gansey and Declan seem to agree on is uh, that they both consider Ronan to be Gansey's responsibility, mm-hmm. which like, I have problems with, but yes. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm it's, with Adam it's on problematic. That one. Yeah. But I, I, like, that's why that for, I think that first swing feels infinite to Gansey's because he's lost control and he's let everyone down because he's not taking care of I I have this visual image of the slow motion punch Uh, and if uh that is not in the TV show if that punch is not I'm going to be very upset (laughs) like that punch better be in slow motion and there better be like saliva spraying out of Declan's (laughs) mouth onto the shiny I have like this is a visceral fight scene it really is Um, later it's Gansey says basically references Cry Havoc and mm-hmm. it's Cry Havoc and Let's Slip the Dogs of War is the most famous version of that from Shakespeare, Julius Caesar. Right. And it seems to be both a reference to Ronan being Gansey's dog, which Declan says like, later, fine, fine he's, he's your, your dog, dog you leash him. And Kavinsky constantly calling Ronan Gansey's dog. Mm. And it's also something that was used to send out mercenaries and soldiers in war. So it calls back to Ronan Ronan being a a soldier in a war against, yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is jumping ahead a little bit, but I I feel like this fits really well discussion-wise right here, is that Gansey feels responsible for Ronan. Mm -hmm. And then, like we just said, uh, Declan's like, fine, he's your dog, you leash him. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I feel like Adam has a better grasp of the the situation when he's like, no, Ronan needs to learn to clean up his own messes. Yeah, make him responsible. Mm -hmm. Gansey's trying to, to show love, but... He's really being an enabler. 100%. Yeah, because, like, his fear of Ronan learning to live in the dirt. Right, which is another reason why I feel like Adam has a much better grasp on what Ronan needs. Mm -hmm. Even if it's just like, dude, he needs to make his own bed, and he does need to lay in it for a little while. Mm -hmm. They mentioned, like, at least with the fight, Ronan had realized and accepted the consequences of his actions before swinging the punch. There's so much more going on here beside bad grades. Yeah, the, the relationship between Declan and Ronan, I 
gosh, really want to see more of it mm-hmm. in the Dreamer trilogy. Mm-hmm. I want them to be brothers. Yeah. Like, I know that my brother and I, at this age, we didn't get along. And as adults, we're great. Mm-hmm. But it took maturity. Um, and, you know, Declan's still marked as unsympathetic here, obviously. Right. But, you know, we find out later that, that you know, he has it really rough. Because, yeah. like, you know... He's lost. He's lost both his parents too. Right. And, right. And he's the only like normal family member. Like he's the only one who's not a dreamer well, or a dream. Right. And he has been charged by Niall to take care of this to family. be the adult. Yeah. Like, to be the dad. He's eighteen mm-hmm. years old. It's not okay. Yeah, not the fucking car. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, this is so the Lynch boys in the car. And it's page 224 in The Raven King, where it says, on the inside, the Lynch brothers were remarkably similar. They all loved cars. This uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so is like, yes, it's just right straight there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I And this whole thing, it's kind of inevitable the way that it plays out mm-hmm. because... Declan and Ronan were raised to express things physically. Right. Like, you know, talk about the, like, Gainsey from his father got ahead for logic. Right. Affection for research and a a huge trust fund. Right. And the Lynch's got huge egos, obscure Irish music lessons, and learned to box like they meant it. Right. We had a pretty long rant in episode zero, the Getting to Know Us episode, about fathers Uh in the Raven cycle. (laughs) So feel free to go back to that one if you want to hear it. Right. Gainsey was also raised to be diplomatic. He was, you know, he's Mm -hmm. a politician's... Mm -hmm. Son, yeah. yeah, 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 and so like, of course, his first instinct is is to dive in and stop mm-hmm, stop mm-hmm. the whole thing. And I love the the description of Ronan unleashed a string of profanities so varied and pointed that Gansey was surprised the words alone didn't slay Declan. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I just feel like this is such a like a stereotypically Irish boy fight. Yeah, <laughs> and I love that as counterpoint to Gansey shouted a word he learned from his sister Helen. Uh huh. <laughs> Not from his parents, <laughs> from but his Helen, sister. who, Helen is a queen, let me just say. I love her so much. Siblings She's are great. awesome. Yeah. There's a bit where it's talking about Ronan's backstory, and it starts with Once Upon a Time. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yeah, there's so much fairy tale imagery. Right. Um, of the story. Well, it's a storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like, his father told stories. Right. And so the way that they frame their history is in stories. Is in stories, right. And this is the story of Niall Lynch's murder and the fallout. And it, it really feels bigger than just Ronan stole the BMW. Yeah, Even really though does. that's sort of the end result, quote. But Ronan lost his father. Declan was keeping him from his home and his mother. Mm-hmm. And Niall Lynch was the one who charged Declan with this in his will. And how old was Declan? Was he like 16, 17 16 or years 17, old? yeah. And to be the exact executor of the will and to have to step in that's so completely unfair yeah, it really is and especially like just after you've lost your dad yeah and he's like a boy trying to be a man to a brother who hates him for everything mm-hmm. that he represents that's mm, yeah mm-mm. yeah Gansy's frustration he's just like oh, i don't have time for an er visit tonight <laughs> which alone says a lot about the ER visits that have happened in the past. Uh, and the whole fight is so visceral. Mm-hmm. It leaves me with this hot, sick feeling in the pit of my stomach. Mm. And it's like, quit it. You're ruining your face. <laughs> I don't think Ronan cares about his face. 
I don't think that's the problem here, Gansey. Yeah, that that was also almost the quote of, of the, the, episode. the episode. Yeah, I loved on one of the walls, a red Sharpie had scrawled the word Beelzebub and Ronan's number below. Okay, I flip between the headcanon that, of course, it's Kavinsky who did that, or it was Declan himself. Because <laughs> he knows how one much Ronan other. hates uh-huh. his phone. Yeah. It mentions again that Ashley seems smarter when no one was paying attention. Like I mentioned before, she's totally just playing dumb to be popular or attractive. And, mm-hmm. and you know, Adam is just like completely oblivious to this. Right. And Gansey stopping the whole thing by telling Declan, you know, you're not Niall Lynch and you get ahead a lot faster if you just stop trying. And I, I feel like he's really gotten to the whole heart of the problem there. Yeah, and it brings up, there's a quote in the the Raven King in pages 223-224, the story that Declan tells about Niall being a bloodthirsty spear. The different wounds inflicted by the same weapon. Mm-hmm. And charging Declan once again with making sure Ronan becomes the hero and not the spear. Right. Yeah. It's just like, you know, you have to make sure your brother is... Is the hero. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of fucked up shit is that? Uh-huh. <sighs> and it's talking about Adam and Ronan's reactions to physical violence Mm -hmm. when adam gets hit he shuts down and when ronan gets hit he wakes up yeah and this may be the first mention of adam's abuse that we see first like direct mention well they may no no it might be the first mention mention. um (laughs) and then the whole like exchange of ronan saying i'll never forgive you and declan being like it wouldn't mean much from you anyway Mm -hmm. it's like Oh, there's so much. Like the line is deeper than anyone else's emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know this is like a throwaway thing, but a baleful dog barking three times. Just like. Yeah, I noted it too, and I have no idea. Yeah, it just it's seemed just... odd and weird, and it, it, it could just be a detail. Yeah, and then the in the car after the fight, when Gansey to Ronan is just like, fix it. It feels kind of like the first instance of like his kingly voice. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Ronan said low just for Gansey. I want to quit. And how can Ronan possibly explain why he's angry? Mm-hmm. Why he's frustrated, why he hates Aglinby without revealing the secret that his father told him he had to keep. I mean, his mm-hmm. secrets are literally tearing him apart. Yeah. He doesn't even yeah, know. His dreams are trying to kill yeah, him. Yeah. He doesn't even know that Declan knows right. about the secret at this point. And I'm just like, God, Niall like, Lynch. Yes. Because like, how, so how, are you supposed, how are you supposed to like yeah. live with that and like not tell anybody? I don't know. <laughs> They were extraneous parts in the machine that was society and Gansey's self-awareness again. And it really just rests. It does rest differently on the two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like the whole trust fund thing mm-hmm, is like, yeah, mm-hmm. we, we've got money. We don't ever have to work if we don't have like mm-hmm. if we don't want to. Gansey's like, why can't Ronan just go to school and get it over with? And then he doesn't have to do anything else ever again. Yeah. But he doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was kind of struck by... Gansey's like, oh, you you know what you promised me, and Ronan's response is, I know what I did. Right, and I'm just like, just yeah, Ronan is like 100% physical, like right. he's everything is physical. And then when they're talking about, oh, the police might be called, mm-hmm. and Adam keeps them from calling the police, and it's mm-hmm. like Adam was good at keeping things quiet, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh. Well, and I'm like, blue makes things quiet, Gansey, <laughs> huh? Eyelash flutter. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Hmm. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and then Adam goes back to being, like, you know, suspicious and worried. And he's right to be because, like, there is stuff going on. They are being watched. Right. But it's focused entirely on the wrong person at this point. And Gansey's also right that Gansey's like, I've been talking about this nonstop for the past, you know, right. years. You it, can't, the cat does not go back in the bag. Right, exactly. On this one. I really liked the quote, farther away, he smelled damp earth coming to life beneath last year's fallen leaves and water running over rocks in mountain crooks where humans never walked. Mm-hmm. And is this cave's water taking over his senses? It, it feels like it, it kind does. of. Mm-hmm. Also that there was something pregnant about the night, he thought, something out of sight opening its eyes. Yeah. It really reflects the its beginning that uh-huh. Ronan has later. Exactly. They all seemed to feel that something is happening. Right, exactly. All right, moving on to chapter eight, which is a blue POV chapter. Blue is leaving Nino's after her shift and Adam catches up to her and she finds herself intrigued. After giving Adam her number, Blue is handed Gansey's journal, which was left behind, and she finds it too to be intriguing. And to be perfectly honest, like most of my thoughts through this chapter are pretty much just I ship it. Because <laughs> I actually really do like the Blue Adam relationship in the beginning. Mm-hmm. The dynamic is just so sweet. It really is, and I could have seen that going somewhere. Mm-hmm. There's more more instances of Blue's tree light heritage showing up with her looking up at the sky and like the house stargazing just makes her feel right. m- magical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I totally get her yearning for something that is like you know just for her. I pulled this to the quote on page 329 of The Raven King. Tell me, Artemis whispered, when you dream, do you dream of the stars? Mm-hmm. And she does. Yes. Talking about the relationship and how sweet it is between Blue and Adam. Blue notices all the little things that Adam tries to hide about mm-hmm. himself. And mm-hmm. she loves him for it. Right. Just like, you know, the string on the sweater and the accent and, you know, the fact that he's not a typical Raven boy. And I just, I, I just find that super sweet. Yeah. And the whole paragraph about how Adam vo- Adam's voice makes her feel is really beautiful, especially since he tries to hide it so hard uh-huh. for everyone else. Like, it's, it's such yeah. a, a, a nice... Just like it's a really, just lyrical. Yes, it mm-hmm. is. His face was just strange enough that she wanted to keep looking at it. Aw. Yeah. <laughs> She just, she just kind of like gets him almost immediately right. and she feels a connection and a commonality with him. Mm-hmm. And you know, even though she doesn't want to, because as she says, even the very best outcome could only end in torment. Right, right. And it's just like, you know, her wondering if I was psychic, would I know what to say with him? Right, and yeah. Would I know what to say to him? <laughs> just like, yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> Adam is a vampire, I think, <laughs> because this is the second time he asks if he's invited somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, his politeness. And then it also brings to mind the thought that Blue has where Adam's politeness gives his power away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like Gansey's makes him more powerful, but Adam mm-hmm, gives mm-hmm. Adam's gives his power away. So Blue's two rules of, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. of, you know, not messing with Aguilumi boys and not messing with boys in general, they, they don't seem to apply to Adam at all because right. she just kind of doesn't see him as a 
as a raven boy i don't think same observation here and adam really breaks down her expectation and blue backs down on her rules with adam which opens the way for blue backing down on the rules with gansey and ultimately henry who by the way in my opinion has an even more offensive introduction yeah i i can Uh, yeah (laughs) yeah and i'm not okay with henry (laughs) henry's first things that he says to blue so yeah we'll get into this like yeah you know, oh when we yeah talk to i don't want to talk, talk about, about it right now <laughs> right there's so many things i could say yeah <laughs> the journal when blue's boss finds the journal mm-hmm, that's been left mm-hmm. behind and oh it looks like your stuff because yeah. it looks like you know new agey and, mm-hmm. and psychic and blue is immediately drawn to it and mentions even if the content hadn't caught her the feel would have right because it, it, and, and like this thing is like Again, like Monmouth. Yeah, (laughs) possibly even more so than Monmouth. Right. 100% unfiltered Gansey. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it it feels like Monmouth looks. Right. It's crammed full of tons of info on the ley lines and Glendower and like all kinds of other myths. Right. And I had pulled out one in particular where it says ancient water goddesses because it really brings to mind, and I'm going to butcher this probably because it's Celtic, but Coventina, which is a Celtic triple goddess that eventually became Cain Vivienne, who's the Lady of the Lake. Oh, so okay. which is yes something that the Arthurian legend mm-hmm. borrowed from um, goddess. Yeah. Anyway, so we talked last time about Adam's handwriting looking like it was running away from something. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted I had put a pin in that at that point. Gansey's handwriting looks businesslike and very urgent. Which, yep, that's Gansey. <laughs> it totally is. It's pretty much. And and how the journal reflects Gansey's wanting and longing and his inner pain and melancholy. Yeah, which Just was the quote that the we quote, used at the yes, beginning. It's so mm-hmm. lyrical and Gansey. Right. And we see the ley line symbol again and it's described mm-hmm. as a beak. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I noticed that too. It mentions the strange elongated horse. Right. And and that's pro- almost certainly the, the Uffington, Uffington horse. horse. Mm-hmm. I want to do a deep dive on this when it actually comes up in the Caveswater chapter because oh, okay. he actually talks about these chalk animals in that uh-huh. chapter. So I want to do yeah, a deep dive on that. It's such a like interesting phenomenon. It's mm-hmm. so it actually shows up in another book that I really love by Terry Pratchett. It's in the uh, Tiffany Aching series where it's described as um, not what a horse looks like, but what a horse is. And yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Blue, while she's looking at the journal, hopes for a moment that it's Adam's. Right. Because both of them give her a, a feeling of magic and impossibility and anxious danger. Which does lend one to believe that whole like feeling of it starting, it starting all uh-huh. over again. Right. And she also wishes for a brief moment that Adam could be Gansey. Right. And then she changes her mind immediately because she's like, no, because Gansey's going to die. Mm-hmm. Gansey does eventually give her the same feelings that she gets from the journal right. once she gets to know him. Right. And they all do. Mm-hmm. And that's the iconic quote, their magic, their quest, their awfulness and their strangeness, her raven boys. Uh-huh. So... <laughs> All right, let's move on to most valuable character. <laughs> Super excited. Why don't you go first? I want to say Monmouth. Oh, I thought about doing Monmouth and I didn't. Oh, my goodness. I feel like my world is askew here. <laughs> 
Okay, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> we actually, like, have the same, like... No, idea. I didn't. I didn't. Well, I I thought about going Monmouth. Monmouth was my first choice. But I... Well, anyway, continue. Mm-hmm. Explain why. Um, Just because it's, it's a background, but it still feels like so much a part of the story. Right. It's so... It's so important to the boys and to like, mm-hmm. it just, it feels like really important and it feels like an actual character. And I just, I love that about it. Right. And just, just like the feeling of personality that it has, like, why does this, mm-hmm. this like old factory. It has a history and a backstory that we never uh-huh. see like so many other characters in the book. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 And it, yeah. It's just like, why does this old factory have such personality? Right. Right. All right. Well, Monmouth was a good one and I thought about doing that as well but my mvc is declan oh that's a good one yeah he really drives and no pun intended pun totally intended (laughs) the the action here Mm -hmm. and he really creates with ashley but he creates a sense of tension in this particular set of chapters right that they wouldn't have necessarily without declan being there exactly and there are so many of those little hints and bits and pieces that we have seen that we talked about that really uh, when you come back through the cycle i mean i love Declan mm-hmm. and to see him at this point when he is first introduced and to know what his interiority actually is right. from the Raven King and to just like every scene that he's in to realize he's in so much pain he really is and to I just I love him and he just mm-hmm. it, he does he does everything that he needs to do in these chapters yeah what do we do We've never decided how we're actually going to, like, are we going to arm wrestle? <laughs> what do we think? I mean, I love them both. I really do. People I almost. I, uh, you don't want to? I don't want. I think. Hmm. Rock, paper, scissors? All right. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. <laughs> yes, Declan wins. Yes, I did paper and Avina did scissors. Yes, <laughs> and on that note, we will end the episode. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Our next episode will cover chapters nine through eleven of The Raven Boys with a deep dive on ley lines. We are planning on doing a spoiler-free, or at least partially spoiler-free, review of All the Crooked Saints, and we will be releasing that as a special episode in October. Yay! Yay! It'll be our first special episode. It'll be great. (laughs) And just as a reminder, our recording schedule is several weeks ahead of the release schedule, so follow us online for announcements of what chapters we'll be covering next, and please send us your thoughts. We would love to have your contributions to the conversation questions theories fan casts etc and we just wanted to give a huge shout out Mm -hmm. to one of our listeners who's been super 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 supportive and we cannot say enough about it yeah they have been so awesome about retumbling us and posting on twitter and giving us great comments we posted a couple on tumblr Mm -hmm. and so veins full of poetical stuff Mm -hmm. this shout out is for you and thank you so much it means so much to us 
Speaking of getting in touch with us, you can find us practically everywhere on social media. We're at Raven Girls, R-A-V-I-N-G-I-R-L-S on Twitter, at Raven Girls on Tumblr.com, and at Facebook on Facebook.com slash Raven Girls, and you can reach us directly at ravengirls at gmail.com. And if you want to reach me particularly, I don't know why, but you can reach me at substanceparty.tumblr.com or via Gmail at substanceparty with all of the A's removed. That would be S-U-B-S-T-N-C-E-P-R-T-Y at gmail.com. If we have referenced a post or article in the podcast, we will do our very best to include the source links to those in the show notes. The Raven Cycle and all affiliated properties are copyright Maggie Stiebotter and Scholastic Incorporated. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and until next time, Whoop Whoop Raven Girls! Continue. <coughs> Make sure you're not dying first. <coughs> Too late. <laughs> I hope not. Already fucking dead. I've been dead seven years. <laughs> I've been dead seven <laughs> years. <laughs>